This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show, and we welcome back to our show Michelle Mushabek, who is the founder and publisher and the editor, too, of Interlink Publisher, Interlink Publishing, excuse me, uh, based here in Northampton. I wanted to have Michelle back with us, and I'm really pleased he could take the time to join us this morning because there has been armed conflict in the Middle East again, resulting in a ceasefire of sorts. And I think it's really important, particularly at this time when there's so much other news that is uh, forcing everything that is not kind of Trump-related or uh, uh, politically related singularly to the United States. All the other stories seem to be pushed far into the recesses of newspapers and maybe not even covered at all in media across the country. So, Michelle, thank you so much for being with us. I'd like to go back for our listeners uh, and we'll get to the substance of this in just a moment. But for those of our listeners who don't know what Interlink Publishing is and why it is, um, tell us. Uh, good to be with you, Bill. Uh, you know, Interlink is this year is celebrating its 35th anniversary. We've been around for 35 years. And we are a medium-sized independent uh, publishing house based here in, in Northampton, and we publish approximately between 50 and 60 books a year, and we specialize uh, in literature in translation, uh, particularly specializing in the Middle East, Africa, and Latin American uh, literature, fiction primarily. Uh, we also do a lot of uh, books on history, politics, current affairs, but as you know, uh, we survive and we make money from our award-winning uh, cookbooks and, uh, and <laughs> multicultural, anti-racist picture books for, for children. So okay. In a, nutshell, yes. in a nutshell, that's what we do. Tell us about the cookbooks for a minute, because it's a really interesting oh. story, and it's a really interesting to me, to me and I suspect uh, to our listeners too, a uh, story about uh, a, a, a business model. Well, yes. I mean, even 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 our cookbooks tend to be radical in a sense because <laughs> because uh, we what we do is what sets us apart, I should say, from anybody else. All the mainstream publishers who are publishing uh, cookbooks is that we our cookbooks double as cultural guides. They, you know, they give you amazing recipes, great, stunning photography, but also interesting. Uh, they're beautifully written, and and you can learn so much about the culture, the people, the places. And I'll give you an example as to why I said, you know, they they also tend to be political. You know, for example. Uh, we published uh, recently when Trump was elected uh, president, we published uh, a cookbook called The Immigrant Cookbook, Recipes That Make America Great. And these are <laughs> recipes from immigrant chefs who've contributed to our culinary culture, you know, and so on and so forth. When, when uh, the crisis in Syria happened, we published Soup for Syria and raised more than a half a million uh, dollars for uh, food and, and medical relief for Syrian refugees and so on and so forth. And the latest is, is publishing on, October, on August 23rd. It's called Forever Beirut, Recipes and Stories from the Heart of Lebanon. And as you know, uh, August was two years ago was when the big explosion uh, happened and devastated the city of Beirut. So we are donating some of the proceeds to the Lebanese food bank from the from the sales of this cookbook. Are the books available at the local bookshops? Are they available online? How do people buy them? They are available, I hope, everywhere. You know, of course, you know, my, as you know, my brother owns uh, a bookshop in downtown Northampton in Thorns Marketplace, Booklink Booksellers. You can find them at the Odyssey. You can find them at, you know, all the local bookshops in Northampton would uh, and, and elsewhere would carry them. And online as well. And, and people should check out our website, 
www.interlinkbooks.com because it's uh, you know it's interesting and will give you an idea of the type of books that we publish. Okay, let's talk about that for a moment because, in particular, I want to hear about the books you're publishing and have published uh, with regard to Gaza, Israel, the Middle East. Tell us about those those uh, publications, if you would. And maybe you could tell us what's coming up, because I know you have some new publications uh, that, with release dates in the next week. Yeah, we one of one of the things, one of parts of my mission is to really amplify the voices of of Palestinians and uh, and and publish books on Palestine. We, as a publishing house, our mission is to really is to commission, to publish, and to promote books that foster a better understanding of, of, of another people, another culture, and so on. Uh, so we do publish a lot of history books that relate to the Middle East and Africa. And uh, Palestine, because I am Palestinian, uh, I do have an interest in publishing and creating awareness about the plight of the Palestinians. Um, so I do publish a number of books and we have we have several new books that are forthcoming. Uh, I would like to start actually with with a children's book because uh, as you started earlier uh, that you wanted to talk about the Gaza recent Gaza airstrikes and uh, a children's book that we published two weeks ago it's called City's Bird. City is grandma, grandmother in Arabic. And it's a Gaza story written by a Palestinian painter called Malak Matar. And it's a, it's, a, it's a story of how a little girl in Gaza finds strength and hope through her painting. And Malak is a little girl who lives in Gaza with her parents, she goes to school, she plays in the ocean, she visits her city's house on Fridays, but one day the airstrike started and she was confined to her home, and that was in 2014, for 51 days. And so City's Bird really tells the story of how one day she picks up her paintbrush and starts painting and she finds strength in that. And years later now, you know, uh, eight years later, she's actually become a world-renowned international painter with exhibits all over the world. So this is a beautiful, sensitive children's book. It's quite unique, and it's written and illustrated by Malak Matar, reflecting her experiences in, in Palestine. When you say a children's book, uh, are you saying because it, it's, it, it is directed at an audience of children? Yes, it's it's for children ages ages three to eight and but it's it's very very sensitively written and it's beautifully illustrated and there's the publication date the publication date was last month for this book so it is already available and how does it come to your attention how did you find this book how did you find the author uh, the author actually has a very, very uh, strong Instagram presence, and she started uh, uh, posting her paintings uh, on Instagram, and that's when I found her, and, and we got in touch with her, and she wrote this beautiful story for us. There's another book that you have coming out very shortly that we were talking about just before we went on the air. I think it sounds fascinating and it's a fascinating story. Could you share that with our listeners too, please? Uh, yeah, uh, we have a, a book and we actually have a book launch in, in downtown Northampton, which uh, hopefully you will cover, Bill, when it happens on September 9th. Uh, it is by an author. The book title is called Glory to God in the Lowest journeys to an unholy land and it's written by the reverend donald wagner with a with a beautiful foreword by of course the reverend dr william j barber whom we all know you know so and and this is a a, a personal political and religious journey from evangelical christian faith and conservative politics to solidarity 
with the poor and advocacy for anti-war, anti-racism, and Palestinian rights. So this is an author who's been an advocate, a very strong advocate for Palestinian rights for over 40, 40 years. I've known Donald Wagner. And this is nonfiction. I have a memory. It is a memoir, yeah. Is that unusual for Interlink? No, not at all. No, we do we do publish both fiction and nonfiction titles, and uh, yeah. And when you started uh, Interlink, you are the founder of Interlink Publishing as well as the editor and publisher. Did you have a vision in mind, and has it been realized in the last thirty-five years? Well, I, I, you know, I, I came, I came to this country in. Uh, from from war torn Beirut, and I was I was as a Palestinian. I was born there, and I came here, and it was quite an eye opening experience for me. When was that? When was that? In I came in 1979, and uh, I was uh, I went to New York University and, and and studied there, and it was really quite an eye opening experience for me because I immediately embraced you know, American values of freedom of expression, freedom of speech, democracy, education, civil liberties, so on and so forth. But I was really horrified and shocked when I found out how little people in this country knew about where I came from and how unaccepting they were of the Palestinian narrative. And that's when really I shifted my goals and and uh, and uh, decided instead of going into academia to become a, a publisher and I started interlink publishing no, without knowing anything about you know publishing editing distribution marketing whatever <laughs> yeah but you know that was over 35 years ago <laughs> how did you alight in Northampton uh, we started the publishing house in Brooklyn, and it was uh, it was the very first, you know, independent publishing house in in Brooklyn at the time. Uh, but I I have three uh, three women, I should say now. So I have three daughters uh, who are all in the book business, also editors and and marketers and publishers, and um, you know. Uh, it, there was at a time when we were expanding and, and we were looking uh, in Northampton and the valley and the five colleges appealed to me a lot. There was a, there's a lot of talent around us here and, uh, you know, so we, we decided to make this move uh, from, from New York. It's, it's less stressful. <laughs> We are speaking with Michelle Mushabek. He is the founder, editor, and publisher of Interlink Publishing. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the recent Gaza airstrikes and the ceasefire and what is happening in Gaza and the Palestinian uh, Palestinians today and whether or not this ceasefire has any real meaning. We'll be right back. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control uh, by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5, 1400, and 12.40. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Right in your town, maybe even in your neighborhood, an immigrant is building a new life, trying to find their way, all while learning a new language. The International Language Institute offers free English classes for immigrants and refugees, for true beginners and others, like students in our Bridge to College and Careers program. One of the nation's top language schools is right here, with free English classes for immigrants and refugees. The International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. 
We are talking random whites. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. This is from a company called La Pere, Gros Monsang. Gros, apparently, when you see it written, it looks like you're drinking something called Gros Monsang. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's Gros. In the past, has mostly been relegated to bulk wine or distilling grapes for brandy. Petit Monsang, which I think means like little guy, and Gros Monsang means big guy. It almost has like a dessert wine feel to it. It's susceptible to botrytis, so they do make sweet wines. This tastes like it almost might have that, which is like, it's essentially, they call it Noble yeah, Rock, it, which is my next yeah, band name. So Don't great, steal it. We, we, so mentioned, weird. we mentioned it was a brandy grape, and this wine does taste like a brandy. Yeah. Drink this before dinner. Maybe drink it after because it's a brandyish kind of feel yeah, to it. This yeah, is a unique it's one. very different. 1899. It is organic grapes and certified organic. What's the name of this one again? La Pere. Find your favorite wine and your next favorite wine at State Street. Hi, I'm Kate Kelly, public health nurse with the City of Northampton. The Northampton Health Department is holding vaccination clinics in Northampton and other locations in the region. Outdoor walk-in availability has reopened at the Northampton High School. Dates, locations, and appointments for all clinic sites can be found at the City of Northampton website. Go to www.northamptonma.gov and click on vaccine clinics. The clinics continue to offer Pfizer, pediatric Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and in special situations, Johnson & Johnson. Clinics will also offer boosters to anyone ages five and up. The COVID vaccine is free for anyone from any community. Please bring your vaccine card and insurance card. If you do not have health insurance, you can still have a vaccine. Public health nurses are available at every clinic for your questions or concerns. Booster shots are one more layer of protection against COVID-19, and they prevent a huge number of people from needing to go to the hospital. We want to protect our most vulnerable or simply unlucky neighbors from getting the virus. We can't afford to let our guard down. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Michelle Mushabek, who is the editor, as well as the founder and publisher of Interlink Publishing here in Northampton. So much more I'd love to talk to you about. Maybe we can continue this conversation about Interlink on uh, another conversation, because I, at this point, I do want to turn to the substantive question of the recent airstrikes in Gaza, what is happening in the Palestinian territories, and what this ceasefire means or doesn't. I know this is a matter of significant interest, something you know a lot about, Michelle. So for this story, which has been pushed off the front pages and I think buried in American media over the last couple of weeks, um, tell us what has happened. Well, fortunately, there, there is now a ceasefire after three consecutive days of bombardment. Uh, Israeli missiles rained on rained indiscriminately on residential neighborhoods in Gaza. This is over a week, a little over a week ago, killing 47 innocent, helpless Palestinians and injuring hundreds of others. And of those, 16 uh, were children. Uh, Gaza is one of the most densely populated places on earth. It's an open air prison. It is a very wretched place to live. And the reason why it is so densely populated. Something is, like about two million. Yes, there are there are two million uh, Palestinians living in Gaza. Forty one percent of them are children aged 14 or under. So these children who have lived their entire lives under an Israeli blockade, which has lasted now for over 15 years. And those 2 million people living in Gaza, the two thirds of them were refugees from the 1948 war and 1967 war. That is why Gaza is what it is today. And the recent assault really uh, is part of Israel's long history of criminal activities against the Palestinians. It's a, it's a bombing trend that is all too familiar to the two million Palestinians living there. And they're really living under suffocating and illegal siege. And over the past 20 decades, Israeli airstrikes on Gaza claimed the lives of really thousands of Palestinians and raised entire 
neighborhoods and repeatedly. So this really historical, historic injustice must be stopped. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine from, from Gaza the other day, and he said to me, he said, what is worse than dying in Gaza is living, you know? And so 97% of Gaza's water is contaminated due to Israel's blockade. Uh, you know, in Gaza, there is no post-traumatic because <laughs> everyone suffers from trauma. It is repetitive, it is ongoing, and it is continuous. What precipitated the most recent fighting, the most recent uh, military actions? Was, is there something we can point to? Well, you know, of course, if you listen to the New York Times and you listen to NPR even, you know, they all uh, repeated and parroted the, the Israeli line that this is a retaliation for uh, troubles in, inside Israel, for, for, but the, what nobody is getting at is really the root of this problem. The, why is this happening in Gaza? Why is it happening anywhere in, in Palestine? And the root of the problem is that you know, this is for 75 years, you know, Palestinians have been living under a brutal occupation. And I, as you know, Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, B'Tselem, which is the Israeli human rights organization, the UN Rapporteur for Human Rights, have all concluded that the situation in Israel and occupied Palestinian territories fits the definition of apartheid. Apartheid in international law, the word refers to the systematic uh, disadvantaging of one ethnic group by another on the basis of their ethnicity. And I can't see why, how can the US president reject apartheid characterization of Israel when, you know, the hu major human rights organizations have concluded that already. So, yeah, so this is, this is, a, this is the problem. And just before his last round of, uh, this last round of bombardment, President Biden, during his visit to Israel, was really eager to show the architects of this inhumane and cruel policy, uh, America's unshakable support which enables Israeli crimes to go on without any recourse, punishment, or accountability. You know, it's, uh, I can't tell you how, you know, how upset I get whenever these things happen because, you know, uh, when I heard Biden say that I commend Prime Minister Lapid and his government's steady leadership throughout the crisis, for me, it's, it was really infuriating and shameful that our elected officials and our president choose to either remain silent or parrot the talking points handed to them by the Israeli lobby. And uh, it's, it's been going on for too long. But I have to say that the, there is hope that this course in, uh, in America, in particular, is changing, and it's changing rapidly uh, among the public, but the political discourse is not catching up uh, on the part of our elected officials. Yeah, I, I have a big question for you, and I really hope you come back and talk to us at greater length uh, soon again. Uh, but uh, the story of this most recent uh, uh, military uh, attacks. Um, Israel says that Palestine, this is retaliation for Palestinian attacks on Israel. Uh, Palestinians say this is uh, ongoing bombardment by Israel, uh, attacks against Palestinians. Uh, at the risk of asking way too big a question to end with, do you see any hope at this point for a resolution between Israel and the Palestinians? 
you know, I, I, of course I see hope. If I don't see hope, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And I can tell you that, you know, Palestinians are resilient. I can tell you that my children and my grandchildren will be more active than I ever was. And uh, the, the, the level of Palestinian despair is at an all-time high. You know, Palestinians today continue to be colonized. Their lands, you know, continue to be confiscated for illegal settlement building. Palestinian family members continue to be separated from another by walls. You know, Palestinian communities continue to be displaced. I mean, even even last week, the the Mafar Valley in in Palestine, the Israel demolished whole houses and and displaced families uh, from their from their home. Uh, so. It is a terrible situation and it is continuing, but the, the good thing about what is happening here in the, not only in the United States, but in the rest of the world are, you know, the younger generations, you know, they are more active. They are especially a, a lot of young American Jews who, for example, are members of Jewish Voice for Peace and other organizations are saying, you know, we want this, this is, we don't want this to be done in our own name. We don't support, you know, uh, crimes against humanity. We don't support apartheid. And uh, so there is hope and there is change and uh, we can, we can see that. And I think, uh, I think, uh, in my view that Israel itself is self-destructing uh, because it keeps uh, increasing the level of, of violence. And as we know from, from South Africa and uh, that apartheid regimes do not last. So I think uh, that the time will come when, when uh, when American lawmakers and, and officials will be forced by the public or they will be voted out of office unless they change their tune. Michelle, you only raised about 150 questions I want to ask you based on your last couple of minutes, but I really do. Listen, come back soon. I really want to continue this conversation. For our listeners, we have been speaking with Michelle Mushabek, who is the founder, editor, and publisher of Interlink Publishing here in Northampton. So much to talk about. Thank you for your time today. I really appreciate the public service you have performed by being with us, and I hope you'll come back and talk with us more soon. Always good to be with you, Bill. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Amherst Town Councilors met last night to discuss a controversial video showing a police officer telling a group of teens they have no rights. The video raised concerns among residents and included the teens asking to call parents, but that request was denied. Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Director Pamela Young presented a full report into the incident on Monday. Police said no parent or guardian of any of the teens involved has filed a complaint. However, they are conducting an investigation. Once the report is completed, they said they would like officers involved to sit down with the youth and have an open conversation to talk about the incident. The State Board of Elementary and Secondary Education voted yesterday to increase the minimum MCAS scores necessary for 10th grade students to receive a high school diploma. President of the Massachusetts Teachers Association, Max Page. This notion of hiking the MCAS scores as somehow a way to improve public education, we think, is just deeply flawed. In the last decade, at least 50,000 students have not received their high school diplomas due to the MCAS testing requirement. These new requirements will be impacting the classes of 2026 through 2029. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, along with the Department of Public Health, are issuing an update for COVID-19 guidelines ahead of the school year. Masks will be optional and testing no longer required, although schools may implement their own testing or mask requirements. The COVID vaccine will be recommended for school-aged children. 
It's a mixture of sun and clouds today with a high of 80 to 84. Variable clouds tonight, slight chance for a scattered shower, 54 to 60. Sun cloud mix tomorrow, chance for a few scattered, mainly light showers, a high of 76 to 80. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 1015 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. Rudy Giuliani es objeto de la investigación criminal sobre posibles intentos ilegales del entonces presidente Donald Trump y otros para interferir en las elecciones generales de 2020 en Georgia, informaron los fiscales el lunes a los abogados del exalcalde de Nueva York. La revelación de que Giuliani, un defensor abierto de Trump, podría enfrentar cargos penales por la investigación de la fiscal de distrito del condado de Fulton, Fanny Willis, acerca la investigación al expresidente. Willis ha dicho que está considerando llamar al propio Trump para que testifique ante el gran jurado especial y el expresidente ha contratado a un abogado defensor penal en Atlanta. Giuliani, quien difundió afirmaciones falsas de fraude electoral en el condado de Fulton de Atlanta mientras dirigía los esfuerzos para desafiar las elecciones en Georgia, testificará el miércoles ante un gran jurado especial que se reunió a pedido de Willis. El abogado de Giuliani se negó a decir si respondería preguntas o se negaría. En otras informaciones, el Departamento de Justicia rechazó el lunes los esfuerzos para hacer pública la declaración jurada que respalda la orden de allanamiento de la residencia del expresidente Donald Trump en Florida, diciendo que la investigación implica material altamente clasificado y que el documento contiene información confidencial sobre testigos. Un recibo de propiedad abierto el viernes mostró que el FBI incautó 11 conjuntos de documentos clasificados, algunos no solo marcados como ultrasecretos, sino también como información confidencial confidencial compartimentada, una categoría especial destinada a proteger los secretos más importantes de la nación que si se revelan públicamente podrían causar daño a los intereses estadounidenses. El Departamento de Justicia reconoció el lunes que su investigación criminal en curso implica material altamente clasificado. Yo soy Johan Rashivega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This news minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Well, from our last very serious conversation, we're going to take a break. It is time for our monthly comedy quiz. So let me turn the microphone over to Maddie Benjamin. Thank you, Bill, and good morning. I am Maddie Benjamin, improv performer at the Happier Valley Comedy Theater and monthly nerd in residence. And this is the Happier Valley Comedy Comedy Quiz Show. Every month on the Comedy Quiz, we ask a local expert, a term we'll interpret loosely to test the wits of our quiz panelists. This week, I'm competing with Happier Valley Comedy founder and head of happiness, Pam Victor, and WHMP's own Monty Belmonte. And finally, we are joined by our guest quiz master, Patrick Tenero. Patrick Tenero is a history and social studies teacher at the Bement School and has recently upgraded status from my roommate to my fiance. Congratulations. It's true. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. Now that I'm done embarrassing him on air, uh, <laughs> Patrick has prepared for us a quiz on board game history. Ooh. Board game history. Okay. Um, if we're all ready, let's do it. Um, we've got some multiple choice, and here they come. Number one, what version of chess gives players three minutes or less to make their moves? Is it A, rapid play, B, blitz, or C, bullet? Hmm. And I'd like to point out that in the interest of marital harmony, Patrick has, instead of giving four options, has made it easier by giving <laughs> only three. Yeah, well like played, that. Patrick. <laughs> The Queen's Gambit wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to go with Blitz. Blitz, because it's fun to say and sounds like Balinces, which yeah. are delicious to eat. That's exactly what I thought. That was my entire line of logic, but I'm going to say Bullet, because chess <laughs> is, you know, so a colonialist, I guess, like colonizer, <laughs> so there's probably some weapons oh. involved there with kings and queens and okay. knights. Maybe sword chess as opposed to bullet chess with knights, but who knows? Uh, and I'll say rapid, because I think chess folks are pretty logical, so they'd probably just get straight to the point and call it what it is. These are all chess formats, but the answer is bullet. Bullet is the quickest. Oh. All right. Well done, Monty. And you have three minutes for each move? Um, that is correct. And that's the fastest. 
Three minutes is an eternity. <laughs> um, there are even faster formats oh, okay. out there if you really want to do it. Um, we got another one for you, number two. Um, oh, wait a second, who got that right? I need to give credit me. where credit oh, is due. Monty. One job, Newman. Monty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be that hard. Okay, a point for Monty, but um, you know, we, uh, good good manners. We get extra points, so we need to be we need to be gentle here, Monty. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. I think Newman. you're doing a great job. Oh, so oh well played. <laughs> All right. Which of the following is a version of backgammon popular with the U.S. Navy? Is it A, hypergammon, <laughs> B, nard, or C, AC Ducey? <laughs> no, no explanations, just those options. Okay, just for AC Ducey because it just sounds so dang funny. And I'm going with Nard because it also sounds funny. <laughs> also and funny. I think it stands for something like now, always, really difficult. <laughs> maybe maybe there it's different, but it is an acronym. Uh, this is the entire U.S. Navy. How did they determine that? <laughs> I know. Are they big backgammon? I'm going to go with A, which I think is the one that neither Monty nor Pam said. Yeah, that was hypergammon, but sadly, it's not hypergammon. It's AC Ducey. Oh, <laughs> Newman, if you're taking score, which you should be because it's your only job, that was also me. But if you're just hanging out there doodling, good job. <laughs> Tell me more about AC Ducey. Do you know more about the specifics of it? Um, other than it kind of sounds like ACDC, yeah. not at all. Okay. <laughs> and is this an official designation? Um, I don't think the Department of Defense would confirm this. <laughs> the the only reason I guess that is my grandfather was in the Navy, and he, I, w when you said those words, I thought of my grandfather, and I was like, maybe that's why I know about that. And as, as I was understand, he a big backgammon fan? Not to my knowledge. <laughs> liked boxing, though. Similar. And the Department of Defense, as I understand, will neither confirm nor deny AC Ducey. Is that right? <laughs> that is correct. That I is correct. They have a don't ask, don't tell policy. <laughs> Oh. Uh, I got another good one for you, folks, if you want it. I um, do, do. All right. Known as Zug um Zug in its native <laughs> Germany, what popular board game shares a name with a Beatles song? Is it A, everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey? <laughs> B, ticket to ride? Or C, Life, comma, a day in the. Monty is going with Ticket to Ride because that is a game I have at my house. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Two, because it's the same word in German, so maybe Ticket and Ride are similar because they're similar concepts. But that's the only one that's a game, so I can't be creative. I just... <laughs> And you also need to go with Ticket to Ride. <laughs> it would be really embarrassing if that's wrong. I want the monkey one. I as much it. as I want there to be a game about monkeys, um, it is Ticket to Ride uh, in this instance. You're all right. And the German version of Twister is called Why Don't We Do It in the Road? Ah, oh. Nice. Nice. Well played. Well played. Wow. Wow. Monty scores again. Okay. This is, yes. Can we move okay. on? Yeah, yeah we give, can. Give us a chance, Patrick. Yeah, sure. We're going to um, move on to just some open answers here, okay. uh, popcorn style, if you will. So let's do it. What board game's original design is based on the streets of Atlantic City, New Jersey? Pam Monopoly. Yes, nicely done, Pam. A oh. point for Pam. Y'all oh. don't even get to try. <laughs> okay, that was, that was a little aggressive in terms of the answering. I know, here we go. But we're still That's going exactly to That's exactly how it's done. You say your name, and then you get the answer correctly. They didn't jump in there. Yeah. Of course, I knew that. I'll be, I'll be throwing elbows next time. <laughs> in gamer speak, what is the term for a humanoid piece that is an approximation of a person? Monty? 
Avatar? Yeah. Sorry, it's not an avatar. Oh. This. Uh, he- wait, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, yeah. Let's give, give, give someone else a chance to get a point. I mean, the fact that Monty just did not get a point, d- failed to get a point, got it, how do we put this? Wrong. Does not mean that everybody else doesn't get to go. Okay, those are kind of the rules we're going to play by. Okay. Let's try again. Uh, Pam, I've given you as much extra time I as I know, can. I know, I <laughs> I got nothing. It's a mini me. I think. Mini-me is my vote. What do you think, Maddie? Uh, I am going to go with um, uh, Barbie doll. I love it. (laughs) Uh, I think Pam should get half a point here because the correct response is a meeple. It's a a meeple. meeple. Instead of people, get it? It's like a a meatball? What did you say? Meeple like people. It's just a tiny person-shaped gamey piece. Meatball. Meeple. Po. Meeple. Meeple. Like, like people, people, but me. But me. me. Oh, I'd people. give you three quarters of a point. I thought, I, I really, I, three quarters and, of a point for Pam. As the scorekeeper. As the scorekeeper. Have that yes, okay. Yeah. It is now Monty three and Pam Victor two and three quarters. Maddie, you're kind of not barely on the board here, but hey, <laughs> these things happen. But she's engaged. Yeah. Well, we're going to give all sorts so of extra I've points. I've achieved something in this life, at least. <laughs> Patrick, we have more? Okay, this is for all you math nerds out there. Oh, no. no. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Wait a second. We have a, we have a lot of, you know, uh, uh, English majors and uh, mm-hmm. po- poli-sci folks. I'm not sure about the math majors in uh, here. They might have a chance here, too. We'll okay. <laughs> if you roll two six-sided dice, mm-hmm. what number are the dice most likely to add up to? Maddie, it's seven. Oh, good guess. That's a good guess. <laughs> I'm going to go with six. Okay. I'm going with five. I get, I, can I guess? I, I would get... Oh, never mind. You're looking at me like, well, what What do you know about this? Like nothing, Newman. Just Meeple. go, go right ahead, Pat. Meepo. Meepo. I want to hear what you have to say. No, I would go with seven, too. Because... Yeah. Seven uh, or two? S- no, Which seven. One? Seven, also. Yep. Um, as all who play Settlers of Catan know, seven certainly shows up the most. It's mm-hmm. the sure. most possible combination. Right, because it's the most mm-hmm. likely, like six yeah. and one, one mm-hmm. and six, three and four, four five and three. Five and two. Five Absolutely. and two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Math. Thanks for making me feel smart. Okay. <laughs> We're going to give Maddie a point plus a point for her discourse and another point for... What? No, <laughs> Bill is bad at math. <laughs> yeah, it's bad at math. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll have more. Thank you so much. These are fascinating questions. Oh, good musical choice, Monty, who is, well, in the lead. This is Bill Want to support the kind of local talk you hear on The Bill Newman Show? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And we'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com, and add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP, Your message at whmp.com. Is there corn chowder today? There are things they only make certain times of year at Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant. And with the corn so tall, there might be corn chowder today. There might be blueberry pie. The kitchen garden farm in Sunderland might arrive at Paul and Elizabeth's today with eggplant or zucchini. What will they make with those? Eating at Paul and Elizabeth's isn't exactly like eating out of your own garden, but it's close. Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant. Inside Thorns in Northampton. Did you know that you can prevent domestic and sexual violence? You can say something. We all can say something. Together, we can do so much. Say Something is the domestic and sexual violence prevention program at Safe Passage. Join a prevention lab to build your skills and find opportunities to say something to prevent violence. Join us and help make your community safe and healthy for everyone. Get more information or sign up for a prevention lab at saysomethingnow.org. Every day, financial ads claiming to be different from the competition. Are they? I'm Frances Rayum, the money doctor, and I'm about to make a bold statement. I believe the thing to focus on isn't their uniqueness, it's yours. 
No one has the same financial situation or needs as you, and no one can help us help you better than you. But the truth is, when it comes to managing money, most of us are not as successful as we'd like to be. No matter how focused we are, it's almost impossible to separate emotion, and being in a relationship can further compound the issue. That's why I developed Hug Your Money. Financial coaching, coupled with online software and tools to empower you to manage money wisely. We guide you every step of the way to resolve immediate issues and plan for your financial future with modeling scenarios. So whether it's debt, budget, retirement planning, or a financial crisis, having a Hug Coach in your corner is like having a new best financial friend. Hug Your Money is as unique as you are. In fact, it's patented. Visit HugYourMoney.com. What if there were a way to go into cancer surgery or treatment feeling more comfortable and optimistic? Recorded meditations can help. Doctors have said that it makes their job simpler. Nurses tell us their patients may go home sooner and need less pain medication. Cancer Connection creates custom meditations for people affected by cancer, and you don't even have to come in. Go to cancer-connection.org to learn more or donate today. Cancer Connection relies on local donations to make its services free of charge. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And this is a continuation of our monthly comedy quiz where the contestants are neck and neck. We'll come back to the score in just a moment. First, we turn the microphone back over to Maddie Benjamin. Thank you so much, Bill. Uh, And we are joined by Patrick Tenero, our guest quiz master today, who is continuing his quiz on board games. And Pam and I need to redeem ourselves. (laughs) Yes. We are going to... I'm bad at games, but I love playing them (laughs) just like today. (laughs) Okay. Point for confession. Oh, that would push Pam into the lead. We'll see. There's a, there, no, 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 no. Vulnerability point? <laughs> you look nice today, Bill. Happy birthday. Okay, and Pam is in the lead with 111 points. <laughs> All right, Patrick, let's, let's have our next question. Okay, this is a multiple choice. From the Latin, the study of gaming is also known as what? Is it A, ludology, B, nudology, or C, pudology. <laughs> First of all, super creative on the alternate words. <laughs> I'm going to go with pudology because it stinks. <laughs> okay, a sophisticated analysis from one Pam Victor. Also starts with a P, and my name starts with a P, too. I'm going to go with ludology because it sounds lewd and lascivious, like the games I like to play. <laughs> Uh, and I'll go with the nudology because it makes boring games more interesting. <laughs> Especially with your roommate. <laughs> Who happens to be your fiance. Okay. I like all of those responses. Uh, in this instance, Monty was right. It's ludology. I'm sorry. Now I'm apologetic. I'm not trying to get them all right. I did not know that one at all. Just a lucky guess. Do you know why? I have absolutely no idea. I'll I'll have to contact the DOD. (laughs) All of this is classified information, by the way. Don't tell anybody else. All right. Yes, please. Um, I have another multiple choice for you. We're going all the way back to the beginning. What is the oldest board game known to history, having been found in Egyptian burials that date to 3500 BCE? Is it A, Moncala, B, Senate, or C, Backgammon? Oh, I like, I like. Monty is going with Moncala. Yeah, I, I wanted to go with Moncala too, so I'm going to. (laughs) <laughs> okay, it's really, really, really crowded on the square called Moncala. I mean, okay. It, uh, it worked really well for me last time that they both said an answer, and then I also chose the same one. So I, too, will go with Moncala. Because oh, it's little rocks. Yeah. Everybody's got rocks. Uh, yeah. Um, great guess. Moncala's been on the scene for a while, but in this oh. instance, it's the game of Senet. Oh. Senet. They were always ruining everything for us. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like a cat-related game. That's what I was hoping for. Be- because politics were a game 3,500 years ago? Oh, yeah. Different Senate. Different oh. Senate. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. Okay. How do, you, how do you spell Senate? 
Um, S E N E T. Okay, so they spelled it wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> so they lose a point. Okay, a minus one to the ancient Egyptians, I guess. <laughs> All right, I have a few popcorn-style responses for you. Matt Leacock designed what prescient cooperative game in 2004 because quote competitive games were making for strained evenings with my wife unquote. <laughs> Oh, this one became a bummer real fast. Uh, a pandemic, I think. Oh, that was the name of the game. <laughs> wow, is is it the one where they have to figure out who on the plane is the evil one? I can't remember the name of that game. Mm. I've never played it, nor have I played Pandemic. So um, about celebrity, that's my favorite game that everybody plays together. <laughs> I know that's different than what you said, but I just wanted to say that's a great game, you guys. I'll have to check it out, Pam. Um, I'm, kind of, I'm taking Pam is not exactly close on this one. Is that, is that what you're kind of um, leading up no, to here? Matt, 2004. In, in this instance, oh. uh, Madeline is correct. It is pandemic, and it was designed in response to the um, SARS outbreaks of that time. Oh, oh, nothing says I love you, honey, like a little SARS. <laughs> <laughs> Which puts Maddie close. Tied what? with Monty. Oh, yeah. Coming out of nowhere. <laughs> Come right. on, Maddie. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Got a classic for you. In the world of role playing games, what's a DM? Monty. Dungeon Okay, kids, you're going to have to behave yourself and go one at a time as we've taught you. We all got that one right. We all got that one right. Yeah, no one could hear the answer, though. We yelled, Dungeon (laughs) Master. It was really great radio, Bill. (laughs) Everybody's turning down their volume. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, I think you all know you're correct. Yes, indeed. DMs are Dungeon Masters. Okay, we have time for one last question. All right, let's finish with this. Cavity Sam is the subject of what game of physical skill? Monty! Operation! Oh, nice! <laughs> Conceding my point to Monty. No, you can all yeah. have it. You can all have <laughs> me. Um, I'd like Monty's point as well, please. Okay. <laughs> what, what a share what a ridiculous It's a cooperative game, game like Pandemic, <laughs> which they've now renamed Sorry. <laughs> or Trouble. Yeah. Well, how'd we do? That was the correct answer for sure. I think you all did great. And so um, adding up and evening it out and giving the appropriate number of participation points, everyone wins today. (laughs) And specifically, I think we should give the award, the most points to Patrick Tenero, the quiz master, for coming up with a great quiz. And having (laughs) the brilliance to marry Maddie Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah. Most of all. Well, if you are looking for more laughter in your life, tickets are still available for this Saturday's Not in Charge show at Happier Valley Comedy Theater. We hope to see you there. Thanks so much, everybody. Afternoon Buzz with legendary civil rights attorney from Ashfield, Buzz Eisenberg. Buzz will bring you his take on the day's news, plus arts, culture, and politics from the Valley weekday afternoons at 4. The only live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. The Afternoon Buzz, 101.5 WHMP. For some kids, home isn't a safe place. And in these times, access to trusted adults like teachers and counselors is limited. I'm Kara McElhone, Executive Director of the Children's Advocacy Center of Hampshire County. Our mission is to prevent and end child abuse in our community by providing safety, healing, and justice. The Children's Advocacy Center is open in providing resources to children and caregivers throughout Hampshire County. Please visit us online at cachampshire.org The only live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's 10 o'clock.